Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Ali McBeal rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Alan Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Ali McBeal through 2020 eyes. Yeah, uh, these 2020 eyes are way overrated. <laughs> we really hyped these 2020 eyes up and they've been a real letdown. <laughs> I've, you know, I really had high hopes for 2020 eyes um, and now I can't wait to get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> they've seen too much. <laughs> they've seen things yeah. we never thought we'd see. Um, <laughs> 2020 vision was not what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> No, it's not what anyone thought it was going to be. No. But, you know, Here on that are. note, <laughs> um, what, uh, how are you, Eleanor? Okay, yeah, just uh, yesterday I had my birthday and we just yes. had a, a lockdown birthday, got some uh, nice tisserie stuff. Nice um, things. Some nice things. <laughs> got some patisserie <laughs> delivered to us. Um, oh, lovely. Lovely. Had nice presents and watched good films. So that, well, that was our lockdown birthday. It could have been worse, I suppose. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, good, good. I haven't been eating any patisserie, but um, that sounds like something to put on the list. <laughs> Yeah, I did good. order some donuts though. That was fun. You ordered donuts? Yeah, I ordered because that you can get because de- I'm in London. You can get dessert on delivery, so um, you can get uh, cross town donuts do or on delivery. Oh, we and, have. Uh, um, I definitely have seen Krispy Kreme on delivery. Uh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, Brighton's yeah, not yeah. too different, but no. um, yeah, uh, cross town donuts are delicious donuts that are lovely and cakey and delicious, and they do really nice flavors. Like Ooh. Russ had a yuzu and passion fruit one. Um, I had a matcha tea one and a chocolate orange one and oh. a cinnamon sugar one and he had another couple as well so it wasn't just like I gave him one and ate all the rest and <laughs> um, we had three each over the course of several days oh, but it was nice. really good yeah sounds like, uh, um, what, what, is that a brand or is that a like what is it yeah they're they're a, they do they're donuts yeah donut brands and every donut has like a a cross like a kiss oh, on okay. it in like chocolate icing oh, so that's nice. their, like signature um, so yeah, they're very nice, and they do lots of vegan options as well, which is why they're quite popular. Okay. Um, so yeah, Ugh. but yeah, so we've had delicious treats. I think we have to yes. get us through absolutely the situation that is now <laughs> twenty twenty. <laughs> yes, numb the pain of twenty twenty <laughs> with <laughs> sweet carbs, <laughs> sweet sweets. <laughs> Oh dear. So, what are we here to talk about today? So apart today, from well, apart from sorry, um, today we are talking about uh, episode eleven of season three called um, "Over the Rainbow." That is a song that we hear several times in this episode. Yeah, it is. It's classic. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, oh, which reminds me, I saw uh, the film Judy with uh, Renee oh, Zellweger yeah. um, playing yes. Judy Garland. And it was, um, the film itself is like, not amazing. It's like, okay, 
But Renee uh-huh. Zellweger's like performance as Judy Garland is like amazing. Like it's truly, it? yeah. She. I remember wanting to see it when it came out, and I didn't catch it at the cinema. Yeah, so, same. Yeah. Like so, we we uh, got it on. I think Liam subscribes to uh, like a DVD delivery service called Cinema Paradiso because they often have. Oh, films. it's like Netflix, but before streaming (laughs) well yeah I mean it's um but yeah but it's because it's for for basically if you want to find a film like not every film is on Netflix like I know I know (laughs) every like if you're looking for something obscure like you'll Mm. likely find it on Cinema Paradiso so it's mm. it's good for that kind of thing where you're like, oh, I really want to see this film. It's really old. It's really obscure. It's not going to be on Netflix anytime soon. Mm. But I don't want to buy the DVD or maybe the DVD is no. not even in in available anymore. Like, um, yeah, Cinema parody. So is a really good place to to rent those kinds of films. Gosh. Renting DVDs. Yeah. I forgot that's a thing that still happens. Yeah, delivered to your door. Oh, there you go. But good. um, yeah, really recommend that. Sorry, just over the rainbow always makes me think of like... Yes, well, <laughs> you know, it's just so iconic. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so over the rainbow uh, first aired the 7th of February 2000. 2000, 20 years ago. Yes. We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the Naughties. The other decade more problematic than it looks. UK number one, I'll give you the artist. Okay. Gabrielle. Gabrielle? Oh. Is it If You Ever with E17? No, that was 90s. Was it? I thought it was. And if you ever, ever fall in love again. That's such a good song, I love that. It's a great song. Um, oh, Gabrielle. I didn't know that she had a hit this late. I thought she was 90s. Dreams. Dreams. I, I know that's like <laughs> mid 90s or early but 90s. But she kind of had not... like a resurgence in the early 2000s. Did she? Yeah, she did. I can't remember. I've got no idea what this is. I don't know why. I'm not remembering uh, I, it. I bet when you say it, I'll know it. When I tell you. Yeah. It's Rise. Yeah. Now I'm ready to rise Oh, again. yeah. That's not her best song, I, I don't think. Then it's over. Because it's yeah, Bridget yeah, Jones' yeah, yeah. diary, okay. isn't it? That's, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I th- oh, that one's a bit slow for me. That's not um my fave. So I, I think I probably like blocked it. it out. It's not my favourite, um, Gabrielle, but it, I, I do like it. Renee's reality check. Give me a break. Hi guys, just a little correction here. It wasn't uh, Gabrielle's Rise that was on the Bridget Jones's Diary soundtrack. It was Gabrielle's Out of Reach that was on that soundtrack. Back to the show. Yeah, yeah. it just, to me, it's like, now I'm ready. <laughs> plod, plod to rise again. It's like, get some energy, love. Rise! Uh, but yeah, fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think you're wanting her to be end people. <laughs> yeah, she could do with some more Heather. Heather Small in her. What have you done today? Make to me feel proud. proud. <laughs> Come 
on, Gabrielle. Move it on. Move it on. Time to break free. Nothing can stop you. Just pile that hair up like a pineapple, like Heather, and nothing can stop you. Oh, wonderful. Anyway, US number one. Yeah. Artist is Savage Garden. Is it? It's not Moon and Back, surely. No. They've had. We've done. Uh, okay. Uh, is it? Is it? Uh, well, no. It's not truly madly deeply because that was before. Is it? Um, I want you. I don't know. No, if I but need I do like that. One. Ooh, I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to find out. Yeah, I don't. Uh, what else did they do? It's not Gosh. my favourite, I've got to say. <laughs> I know that's <laughs> um, What else? I don't know. I they can't did. Think. Oh, I'm not doing very well today. I knew I loved you before, before. I met you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's not the best Yeah, it's not the best. It's not. What a dud week for songs. Everyone was like into that like Valentine's Day spirit, like buying the yeah, records for their, like so. significant others. Well, and, uh, right, yeah, it's and they're more all really... a kind of a uh, breakup song, isn't it? It's like getting over a breakup. Yeah, but I think um, Valentine's Day is also good for that stuff as well. Yeah, exactly. Which is, yeah. um, you know, all the all the all the single ladies were going to see Bridget Jones's <laughs> <little> Diary <laughs> and being like, "Oh, Gabrielle is speaking to me. <laughs> I'm gonna buy that single." <laughs> um, I bet you, Ali McBeal bought it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And the Savage Garden one, because that is completely yeah. her jam, too. I knew I loved you before I, knew I, met I loved you. you before I fucked you in the car wash. I knew. <laughs> Ali's like, it's about me. <laughs> I knew I loved you before I sniffed your butt. <laughs> so, Ali. It's so Ali. Okay, 3rd of February. Yeah. Joe Absalom. Is that how you say it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes his final EastEnders appearance in a dramatic storyline that sees his character Matthew Rose get his revenge against Steve Owen after Rose was wrongly convicted of the manslaughter of Owen's girlfriend. Yes. Yes. How did he get his revenge? I do vaguely remember this storyline, but how did he get his revenge? Well, some might say that, Eleanor, that was part of your research. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I, um, I'm looking it up because I can't remember uh, because Shocking. my brain is just uh, what happened. Your so, soap opera um, crown is slipping. <laughs> I know Matthew Ray's um, exit storyline. Let's see. Oh yeah, because yeah, he went. To oh, prison, I used to love him. He? Yeah, he yeah, did. he was a bit um, like heartthrob, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He had that kind of like Lost little indie boy. boy look, like someone who was into Oasis a and bit, um, that kind of thing. Uh, like Paul Nichols. Do you remember him? 
Yes, do I? Oh my god, I remember him from the biz <laughs> before I? he was in the show. Do you remember there was that kids TV show called The Biz about a stage school? He was in that first, and then he moved on oh, to yeah, the um, Biz, yeah, EastEnders, oh my god. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love Paul Nichols. Oh he's a real heartthrob. It's really yeah. funny. He looks completely well, not yeah. completely different, but like old. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically what happened was, I vaguely remember this, yeah, he he finds, um, he he's released from prison because the police find the ashtray with Steve's fingerprints on. And when he comes out of prison, he's like planning revenge on Steve. And throughout January, the storyline was that he was like trashing Steve's flat, like blocking the toilets in the club that he owned and like spraying graffiti on his um walls and stuff in his door um and the steve hires this detective to try and find out who's doing it but the detective finds out fuck all and basically matthew like comes out of hiding in february like this storyline for like a final showdown in the club and he says that he's you know he's been in the square for weeks and this detective you hired was like a piece of shit and you know useless and he like basically demands money but Steve tries to throw him out but then Matthew shows him a video of him planting light bulbs in Steve's flat um and he says that if his sister who he lived with Steve's sister who he lived with at the time goes home and turns on the lights they're going to explode and Steve thinks he's bluffing and then he pulls Exploding a gun on it, Matthew. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Steve thinks he's bluffing and he pulls a gun on Matthew to try and scare him off. But Matthew's thought one step ahead and actually emptied that gun beforehand. Uh... And Steve's like really shocked. And then they have a struggle and Matthew hits him with a like a bottle and it knocks Steve unconscious. And he ties Steve up to a chair and he try- he says he's going to set the whole club on fire. Um, and then um, Steve is like broken down, like completely broken down and like an emotional wreck. And, and that's what Matthew, he wanted to like break him. Like, make him emotionally pay yeah um and then matthew's like the video was a fake the petrol i was using to threaten you is actually water and that was what his revenge was he wanted steve to be like begging for mercy and then he just leaves um for good okay and then as an addendum steve the character was written out a couple of years later because he died in a car crash and there were flowers from matthew on steve's grave saying dear steve rot in hell so that was That was Matthew and Steve from EastEnders. That's a petty Typically move. soapy. <laughs> yeah. I have fake, I have stronger memories of the whole Saskia struggle yeah. and the ashtray killing yeah. than I do of that. But I do vaguely remember Steve being in, tied up in a chair and being like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, help me save me. I've, I've less so. memories of that. I remember seeing like, I think, like, pictures on, like, J17 or something like that, like, teen girl magazines with, like, Joe Absalom, like, with bars in front of him, like, been photoshopped to <laughs> me, like, he's yeah. behind, behind bars, like, he's been framed, yeah. like, isn't it terrible? Yeah. <laughs> yes. He had been framed. Poor Matthew. And uh, he was he saw Steve as like a mentor and he was like like a yeah, father figure almost. And yeah, yeah he was sad. Yeah, sad. vaguely remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the last thing I've got is 4th of February, uh, Scream 3 is released. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen that. What have you seen it? What yes, I that have one? seen Scream 3. Um I'm just going to have to remind myself because I I think 
I definitely didn't see Scream 3 at the time when it came out. Um, no. But I've definitely seen Scream 3 since because um, uh, we've got it on DVD. Um, oh, really? Yeah, Liam really loves the whole uh, Scream franchise. Yeah, no, I don't think I've se- I've definitely seen Scream and Scream 2. Yeah. Um, but not Scream 3. I like the Scream franchise though, but I think I think it was getting to the stage where, you know, after you've done the first two, the thirds tend to be a bit ropey and I just think I was a bit like, I'm out. Um, I mean, Scream 3, I... But I think that was unfair. I think, yeah. I think it was probably better than I was thinking no, I it think was going to be. I, I think, um, I, I don't remember it as well, but I have seen it um, and it, it wasn't like terrible definitely not like um glowing review from Eleanor it wasn't like terrible but it's not what you think you know like you were just saying like you know you when when you get on to like the third in a in a like the fourth uh, and the fifth in the horror movie franchise like like, you you start to think it's gonna be like absolutely terrible but it's not it's um okay it's it's yeah, it's fine. Is there any of the like previous cast in it who who carries on? Um, Courtney Cox, David Arquette. Yeah, Neve Campbell is, is in it. Courtney Cox is in it. David Arquette is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all the the normal, all the big names, all the all the, all the uh, regulars are in it. I just trying to remember what happens in it. I mean, other than lots of people <laughs> dying, but yeah, I can't remember. I definitely remember. The first Scream and Scream 2, like, much better because I actually saw that sort of in the early 2000s. Like, um, I remember seeing it at a sleepover, Scream and Scream 2, and it was really great. Like, we really scared ourselves watching it (laughs) (laughs) because there was this moment in, in Scream 2, we were watching it in, like, my friend's, like, living room and we'd left like the window open and it was like pitch black it was night we're watching a scary movie and suddenly this something starts coming through the curtains in the living room as we're watching it and we're all like "Ah!" and then it turns out it was our friend's cat coming in through the window (laughs) and it was a black cat as well so it was just it completely freaked everyone out it was really funny oh how funny Um, you couldn't have written that better I know well done cat perfect timing (laughs) yeah like um it was so good uh but yeah yeah no screen two is good it's fine well there you go yeah Good. Okay, so let's crack into Over the Rainbow and find out who's gone or is going or <laughs> thinking about Over the Rainbow. <laughs> um, so the um, first thing I wanted to say about this episode is, um, I don't know about your DVD version, but mine on Amazon Prime had um, uh, a long kind of previously on that was like a whole recap of basically everything so far that's led to Billy and George's marriage breakdown. Yeah, Like right from the beginning. And I just thought it was um, a really good like summary. Like sometimes the previous o- previously ons are like pretty like, oh, whatever, like just get to the main thing. Yeah. But this was quite a good like edit of keeping everything kind of the summary of the story yeah. so far. So I thought it was really good. Um. So, yes, it's, um, I don't know if you noticed, but it's computer-generated raining in Boston. Oh, no, I didn't <laughs> like, The rain was so <laughs> fake. Like, they had this shot. They had, I think what happened was they had their, like, stock shot 
of nighttime Boston like cityscape and, and then... they just decided that it was going to be raining <laughs> for the storyline <laughs> and it, they just put this computer rain on and it just looks so Terrible. fake it probably looked fine on like a 90s or early 2000s television but because we've all got like HD now it just looks ridiculous <laughs> And I just couldn't stop laughing. But anyway, it's nighttime. Um, and we see that uh, young Ali, so schoolgirl Ali, is staring out of the window wistfully whilst Vonda is singing over the rainbow. But it's actually um, the lesser known first verse and bridge because I didn't immediately recognise it as over the w- rainbow because it stops before it gets to like the famous chorus. Mm. Um and I had to look it up because I was like, oh, what's this song? And I was like, oh, it's actually just the, the first bit of Over the Rainbow. Um, so as she gets, as I say, as she gets to the where the chorus would have been, it stops. And yeah. the scene has morphed into Millennium Alley staring out of her office window um, at the rain. And the song stops because uh, Billy has come in and has interrupted her. And um, they're both work- working late. And Ali says that she was sort of just waiting for it Um, And she means the rain to let up. But Billy is like, ah, waiting for it. And Ali, Ali's like, well, you know, I'm making progress because, you know, I'm not waiting for him anymore. And then she asks how Billy is doing. And he sits down and it's all like, I'm doing fine. Like really smug. Um, And Ali shakes her head and it's like, come on, you have to know how ridiculous you've become. Um, and at this, Billy smiles, wipes off his face, but then he like gets up to go and leave. And Ali's like, is it because you're angry with Georgia or is it a protest at life? Um, and then they both do the like new man in town, like fist punch, although she does it first. And then Billy's is like the, the kind of bam is like more distorted. Yeah. Um, I guess because he's not feeling it after that dressing down. Yeah. Um, and Ali is warning that he's headed for a breakdown. And Billy's like defensive and he's like, oh yeah, and you're doing so much better staring and waiting for something you don't even know what it is. And Billy points out like the rest of the empty office to Ali and says, you know, it's empty because everyone has lives instead of us. Like I work late because there's nothing for me at home. And he thinks that Ali works late because she's always waiting for life to arrive out of the elevator. And Ali's like, oh yeah, well, your breakdown is definitely happening because that is the most ridiculous thing that I have ever heard. But then she's interrupted by the elevator ding and she like whips around immediately, basically proving Billy's point. Yes. (laughs) um, It's some hot guy. And we know this because because we get like the magical plinky plonky music. And she's like, (laughs) and he says, I knew it was after hours, but something just told me to get in that elevator that somebody would be here. and then Ali's like can I help and he's he asks what her name is and then she asks what his name is and he goes oh I'm pros and Ali's like pros 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 what and he's like process server and he serves a summons which Billy takes because it turns out that Georgia is suing Cajun Fish for breaking up their marriage (laughs) (laughs) and yeah yeah. So then we're in titles. So yeah. that has set up and explained the kind of reason for the previously on and yeah. why it's gone right back to the beginning of Billy and George's marriage demise. In case you have not been paying attention. Yes. <laughs> so 
The next day, Richard is predictably outraged in the middle of the complex, just saying like, how can she sue us for breaking up her marriage? Did the firm kiss Robin Jones? Did the firm soak its head in Clorox and pledge allegiance to Schmuckhood? And Billy like stops him and is, gives it a delightful assessment of the situation because he says, clearly, this is just a frustrated, angry, weak woman looking to exact a pound of flesh like typical, angry, male-hating, frustrated, embittered, weak women like to do and no one is impressed because Billy forgot that he is an man baby club (laughs) (laughs) Nell asks what the cause of action is and John says that she is claiming the firm was a sexually charged arena which interfered with marital relations and even Ling thinks that that is a stretch Um, and Richard doesn't understand how Georgia can sue for this and John's like, well, she blames the firm for new Billy. And Ali goes, bam, with her palm, like punches <laughs> yeah. it new man style. Um, and then Richard rounds them all up in like this all for one, one for all style. And they all pile into the elevator and they're all going to go to the courtroom like en masse. Except for Elaine, who Richard pushes back into the office <laughs> to type and fax. Which I was like, oh, poor Elaine. Because he's like, right, everyone go. And everyone goes. And Elaine's like, okay, <laughs> me too. And he's like, no, stay here to type and fax. I mean, that is her job. I know. I felt sorry for her. Um, So they charge down the courthouse hall and we see Georgia with her lawyer, who Richard says is someone called Tiny Tim Fallow, who is apparently the best divorce lawyer in town. Um, And he is also, as John says, mean. Um, So Tim Farrow is played by Curtis Armstrong, who you might remember... Um, he's been in um, Risky Business and he's also in Revenge of the Nerds. Um, but he's also had, those. he's just got one of those faces because he's in loads of guest parts of loads of TV shows. Like he's pretty much been in almost everything. So oh, okay. um, he's very like prolific jobbing actor doing guest parts. So okay. um, he looks familiar. Um, I can't pick him out from any particular ones, but you know, you're just like, oh, I feel like <laughs> I I've definitely vaguely seen feel him like I've seen him. Yeah. yeah. So Billy goes up to Georgia and the rest of them all follow and are like whoa 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 like no and he he just says to Georgia what are you doing and Fallow stops him and says that Billy needs to address anything he has to say through him and Billy so Billy leans into Tim Fallow and goes all right you're an embittered angry little man-hating bitch whoa Billy I mean like is it any surprise are we shocked that this is the kind of things he's saying like no no not at all no um so in court the judge isn't quite convinced by george's claim um but tim fallow paints quite the picture of cajun fish it's almost as if he's been watching promos for the show because he says (laughs) the firm is dominated by inter-office sex the two senior partners both sleep with associates the women constantly throw sex offers to billy's face and the two senior officers don't do anything to change this behavior which is what ultimately caused the demise of the marriage and i was like i detect no lies yeah exactly (laughs) it's all true (laughs) 
He's not wrong. So, but but John, however, argues that Massachusetts is a no-fault state. But then the judge stops that and he says um, that Georgia isn't suing her husband. She's suing the firm. But then John tries to argue that, but his argument doesn't really go very far because Tim keeps interrupting him and putting him mm. off. And so the judge basically decides on a short hearing that afternoon and everyone starts to pile out. And Ali is saying to Ling that if she could just get Georgia on her own and she asks if Ling can help her in distracting Tim. And Ling's like, yeah, sure, but how? Cut to Tim is walking for the elevator and Ling and Ali just trip trip him up and he goes flying, (laughs) which that then leaves an opportunity for Ali to run into the elevator as the doors are closing and she gets in there with Georgia alone. So... Georgia just sighs and is like, looks at the ceiling, like, for fuck's sake. Um, and Ali stops the elevator again with the liberal use of elevator control buttons, which I do not believe is a thing that most normal people do. Um, she stops the elevator and she's like, Georgia, what are you doing? And Georgia is not speaking because, as she rightly points out, she's represented by counsel. So Ali then thinks that telling a story will be nice for her because she goes, last night... I was standing in my office staring out the window and actually it made me think, suppose somebody hated the way their life turned out, who would they sue? And then I thought, well, that's pretty silly. You can't file a lawsuit just because you hate your life. That's exactly what you're doing, aren't you, Georgia? (laughs) Georgia is like, Billy is the way he is. And it's not a coincidence. It's because the place is oversexed. And then she turns the focus on Ali and says, look at you. Two years ago, we all called you Julie Andrews. And now you can't even go to a car wash without jumping some somebody. And that causes Ali to snort um, smoke <laughs> in like a gif moment, which is quite funny. But then Ali just turns it back around and says, well, two years ago, whatever problems you had with Billy, you wouldn't have turned on your friends. And Georgia just looks annoyed that she's even having to have this conversation. So would I be. I'm just like, uh, hang on a second. Like, hang on on a minute. A minute. Like, I am struggling to think of anyone in that office who has really been a decent friend to Georgia. And like, how Ali, of all people, dares to throw the how could you do this to your friends card at Georgia is like yep. really something. I know. Well, Ali is really something <laughs> quite a lot of the time. <laughs> so back in court, we've jumped ahead to the hearing. So Richard has been um, called to the stand and he's claiming that he doesn't cultivate a chauvinistic work environment. And I was like, why is no one objecting to this? Like, can you just lie on the sand? Is that allowed? Um, but Tim asks if he thinks that women are sex objects. And Richard's like, yeah. And Tim asks if he means all women. And Richard says, oh, well, well, not the ugly ones. And, you know, fat depends on individual taste. And John objects. And Richard is like, oh, withdrawn. Um, So then Tim asks about Richard's wattle fetish and the judge asks, what is wattle? And I'm like, judge, where have you been? Welcome, pull up a chair. (laughs) Richard explains, yeah. Um, And then Tim asks if Richard goes around the office touching women's necks and Richard's like, oh, uh, I try. Yes, I do. (laughs) Then Tim moves on to knee pits and John tries to stop this train of thought because he knows it ain't good. Uh, But Fallow 
argues on top of John saying he'd appreciate being able to finish questioning and the judge tells John to sit down and Richard like winks at John (laughs) and then Tim asks about the unisex bathroom and Richard says it's so we can all go together when we go and then we get like two cowbells and it's been a while since we've had two cowbells. I like the cowbells. I think they really underline the ridiculousness of Richard. Like, uh, so yeah, I mean... Oh my god! Like I just love that I know. Tim was able. He's such a liability. He is, and he just—it's the fact that he's so like either doesn't care or is oblivious to the fact of yeah, like he got how he comes across. Like um, I know, yeah, and I think it, I mean certainly in the next scene it implies that it's like he's oblivious because he's acting really confused. Yeah, everyone files out of the elevator at the office and Billy is not happy with (laughs) Richard's performance. And Elaine asks what happened and Billy's like, Richard buried us. Um, And Nell's saying that they need John on the stand as an example of the other senior partner. Um, And Billy's not happy because he thinks that this morning George's case seemed ridiculous, but now it suddenly doesn't anymore because Richard's made it seem credible. And Richard's like, what did I do? I say that I like Wattle and a group tinkle. That makes me a chauvinist. And I was like, yes, yes Richard. <laughs> well done for getting there. I just love that Elaine just kind of smiles at him and like walks away. <laughs> she's yeah, just everyone like, leaves. She's like, no, oh, Richard. <laughs> but also, I don't know why... Nell thinks putting John on the stand is going to help you. He's going to help, I'm like, he's not as unproblematic as you think he is. (laughs) No, (laughs) he really isn't. Um, But, you know, they've gone there because next John is on the stand um, arguing that Cajun Fish are not responsible for Billy's change because he's a grown adult. And it's especially not because they have a unisex bathroom and one lascivious senior partner. And Tim then asks if John is lascivious and John is really offended being like, I most certainly am not. (laughs) But then Tim pulls the call girl card and John immediately looks at Georgia because he knows she must have fed that to Tim. And Georgia looks a little bit guilty and she sort of like shifts in her seat. But she's like, I think she's trying to like get over that. Um, But then John gives the um, David E. Kelly defense, which it was years ago before I knew my character. And then he adds that he will not sit here to be disparaged. Um, Tim asks if John is currently dating anyone in the firm. um, And John says, yes, um, and she's my girlfriend. And then we get the spanking question because, of course, Georgia fed that to Tim too. And I was like, get him, hun. (laughs) Feed him with all you've got. Um, And John defends that it was one time with a (laughs) medium-sized hairbrush. And Tim refers to Nell as that young blonde thing over there, which really made me go, that's not a nice thing to say. And John is like, her name is Nell. And Tim goes, Nell, young blonde Nell with a medium-sized brush. How fun. And John just leans forward with his head in his fists like looking really grumpy his fists are like pressed in to his cheeks. cheeks and making his cheeks look grumpy like all wrinkled and he looks very you know, resting on his off. elbows yeah very pissed off like a bulldog yeah. almost like mm, yeah um the thing is the thing that annoys me about this scene is like the amount of shock and dismay 
that's portrayed here by John and the other side. Like, why on mm. earth would it not occur to a group of lawyers that another lawyer who is suing them is definitely going to give her lawyer all the ammunition she can to win her case? Right. Like, I just, I seriously refused, I, I refuse to believe that they are that naive as to be like, oh my God, Georgia, you told them about this? Like, but I think they are that naive wrongly as well because I don't think that there's uh, anything wrong with Georgia doing no. that. Um, but the fact I think they I think they have this weird sense of like, but we were family, but, and it's like, well, in what universe do you think she felt like part of your but, family? But, like we get onto that later. Yeah, I mean, I think it com- it also it completely speaks to like Georgia's point, like the fact that she even. Yes knows this stuff about John's sex life it's shows a problem. how yeah. lax Richard and John have made the boundaries at Cajun Fish. Like, this yeah, is not... I agree. This is not a friend betraying another friend's confidences, like, situation. This is part of the regular office gossip at Cajun Fish. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. And I think this that is, is this... part of her point. Yeah. And I think that that's what they don't get that's the problem and that's what we constantly see whenever john and richard are called out or their leadership skills of running the firm are called into question in this way they get all butthurt and throw all their toys out the pram of richard especially of being like well this isn't fun and i'm like yeah running a business it, is it's not, not about doing what is fun <laughs> it's doing what is responsible yeah. and right for your staff and and, and you the, have, the sooner you get that the better and you have allowed like people talking about and spying on and eavesdropping on people's relationships and sex lives like is part and parcel of the culture at Cajun Fish and that is completely John and Richard's own doing like so absolutely you dare sit there and be like oh my god like she told the lawyer like anyone anyone in that office could have told that lawyer about those those things yeah in john's sex life yeah like, because it is just blatantly common knowledge in that office yeah so georgia has gone back to her office to um take a moment because she's like pinching the bridge of her yeah. nose um and renee comes in to talk about the case and georgia reminds um renee that she said that she would stay out of it but renee's trying to get georgia to remember that these people are her friends um but georgia is not buying yes. it because as she points out richard was the one who told billy not to apologize for being chauvinistic that he was right to want me to be subordinate to rub his feet serve his sexual needs and cook him dinner nell constantly flirts with him ali kisses him and john cage never lifted a finger to curtail any of it who does that leave for friendship oh ling and then she just laughs like hollowly and i was just like i am on your side yeah you speak the truth i really and i wonder where i I do like suspect that ali called renee and was like can you tell her that we're her friends can you tell her to stop yeah yeah and i and i love that georgia like turns around and is like really are they really she just lays it all out like let's just yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah i know and she's not wrong she's She's not. not wrong they were all terrible to her yeah i agree so 
Um, so then Vonda is singing a song called He's a Rebel, which is by the Crystals um, at the bar. And everyone is chatting about the case. Uh, Ling is enjoying it, which I think is funny. <laughs> um, but John has not changed his pose from the courtroom. Like he is still sat with his head and his fists like smushing his face. Um, and Richard thinks Billy needs to come across as sympathetic to Murray to disguise what he's become. <laughs> Um, but then um, Richard asks if John is going to do the redirect but Ali answers for him because she says John's still not talking so clearly George has made him so angry he cannot speak Um, and Nell is going to do the redirect and um, she says that Billy needs to come off as reasonable as like sensitive to Georgia and Billy is yeah well Billy thinks that he's ready for that so I mean are you ready to be reasonable and sensitive Billy I, I don't think doubts. he's capable. <laughs> I don't think he's capable. Um, so the next day, Nell is questioning Billy on the stand, who is doing a great impression of a sensitive male. Um, he says that the firm didn't have anything to do with their communication problems because, you know, if he thought he could have saved his marriage by working somewhere else, he would have. Um, and Nell asks him why he thinks the marriage failed. And Billy just goes... I don't really know. We we grew angry. We didn't laugh. Um, and, and we let it slide. And it, it slid too much. But it's Tim's turn to question. And he asks about what the threat working side by side with Ali might have posed. And Billy's like, my relationship with Ali was over. And Tim's like, oh, but y- you kissed her last year. And Billy thinks that that was just a symptom of the deterioration of things with Georgia. And then Tim goes, what does a new man in town mean? And Billy says that it is him finally recognising his values, which apparently include mothers staying at home, um, but um, but he has no problem with women working if they don't have children. Um, and Tim asks about the Billy girls. And Billy again is like, oh, it's a look. It, it makes a statement to clients that I'm successful. And Richard objects um, because he's like, he's ruining our case. <laughs> Billy is like, no, Richard, we shouldn't apologize for it because that is what ruins marriages. And then he get he gives this doozy of like a speech. Men apologizing for who and what they are, men bowing to this idea that they're failures. It's insidious. Women, they pick, 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 pick. It's a day by day brainwashing till one day the man wakes up feeling he's not good enough. You want to know what happened to my marriage, Mr. Fallow? She made me feel less than. And then I decided to live up to that prophecy and I got sick, sick, sick of the pick, pick, picking. And she still wants to pick. She still wants to attack. And because the law says she can't pick, pick, pick at me in a no-fall state, she's suing the firm. That's why we're here, Judge. That's why she's sitting there, why I'm sitting here, why you're up there. Women as a gender are vindictive. They live to belittle men, to make us feel small. And she hired you as her lawyer, Mr. Fowler, because you're the tiniest one she could find. And it'll save time when it comes time to belittle you. And then Tim goes, is that your final answer? Or would you like to call a friend? Because, you know, he's just like completely Not sold rattled. Tim's case for yeah. him, basically. Well, um, I mean, in my opinion, I'm like, surely Billy's testimony is good for the case against the firm because they can point to that yeah. and be like, clearly the marriage broke down because he's a complete loon. Like, it's not our well, fault. Well, that's true. No woman in that her right true. mind would want to stay married to that. Like, you can't prove that maniacal rant 
has anything to do with us. <laughs> to do with us. That's true. I, I mean, but they don't think that because the whole time John's had his head in his fist. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and at the end of that like little rant, the Cajun fish side are all looking defeated. And Georgia is a bit like, uh, you just made your fucking bed, Billy yeah. boy. Like, well done. But, um, but you're uh, right. That is a good I, point. I'm like, this proves that it was completely Billy. But I, I guess it's that thing of... Uh, She's trying to prove that Billy is like this because of a firm. And frankly, it's not actually true. Like, no, <laughs> that's just no not I the know. Case. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. So back at Cage and Fish, uh, Billy has uh, his head in one hand on his sofa and Ali goes to see him because she's worried about him. He's not acting like the Billy she knows. And I'm like, Ali, the Billy you know is a fantasy (laughs) in your head from when you were a child. Like, this is the Billy. Like, this is the Billy you know. You just haven't seen it. You just never knew Um, him. Yeah. And then he turns to her and it's like, are we over the rainbow alley? Is this it? And she's like, what? (laughs) And he's like, do you remember when we were kids? We used to sing somewhere over the rainbow. And then he looks at her, but he just sees Kid Alley. And then Ali tells him to, Kid Alley tells him to grow up. But then we, the, the shot cuts back to Billy, but it's Kid Billy. And Kid Billy goes, we are grown up. But then it's back to Millennium Billy and he's like, that's the problem. We've gone from people with bright futures to people who should be living their futures now. And I get angry when I think that I'm not, but I get scared when I think that I am. And he goes, I'm an attorney with a failed marriage and a bleached head, which is putting it kindly, quite (laughs) frankly. Um, But Ali says, but all those things are your doing and all of those things you can change. And then we go back to Kid Billy, who's like, do you really think I'm cracking up? And Kid Ali's like, yeah. (laughs) I'm actually, like, glad that Ali said that to him, like, because I often think, like, I often think the thing with people with, like, irrational um, hatred or anger towards another group of people is they're often very unwilling to see their own part and their own agency yeah. in their life. It's always someone yeah. else's fault. Else's fault. For Billy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's always Georgia. And then by association... He's taken no accountability. Yeah, for Billy, it's always Georgia and by association, like, women as a whole that are the, at yeah. the root of his every problem. Like, they are the reason he can't be himself. They're the reason he doesn't yeah. feel successful they are the reason he doesn't feel happy and they are the reason he feels small and I just like that Ali is is like this situation that you are in is one you made and the great thing about that is you can unmake it if you really want to yeah like yeah and I'm glad that you know he didn't try to argue that like he didn't try to so maybe something is it well, sinks in maybe we'll see fingers crossed who knows <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, meanwhile Richard is smoking a cigar which I thought wasn't really like him because surely he us- he usually keeps those for celebrations right yeah, rather that's than true. Yeah. like which I thought was 
our character. But um, anyway, John is in Richard's office, um, still in his like silent, <coughs> angry, head and fist position. Um, and Richard's thinking out loud about what to do on the case because he's trying to he's trying to get a reaction. But John's still not talking. Um, and Nell comes in and says that on the small chance that Georgia might win and because of Billy's bad performance, they should just throw 10 grand at her and give her a sense of victory. And it's really it's a small price to pay to avoid a trial. Um, and Richard asks what John thinks, but John's still not talking. And then Richard tries to tell Nell, like, okay, fine, yes. But then John interrupts and he's like, no, put Georgia on the stand. I want to get her. She disparaged me. I want to get her. And he bares his teeth. Um, and like, you know, the biscuit has awoken. <laughs> he is mad. not taking this lying down. The he is an angry is biscuit. <laughs> I'm like, now who's the vindictive gender? Like... <laughs> right. So um, the next day, Ali and Nell are walking and talking through the office and they're worried about John. Um, and meanwhile, John is in his office pouring water into a glass. Um, except when Nell comes in to get him to go to court, we pan out and we see like the entire room um, and all <laughs> over the floor is like covered in glasses of water. It's like um, from a which horror movie. I think... <laughs> it's kind of a nice callback to john's habit of like pouring water to wrong foot his opponent but did you notice that he only had one jug i was like please explain this david e kelly is this a bottomless jug is there a tap that we can't see like where's this water coming from is he coming in and out with one jug he has to keep going back and forth and getting I wonder whether he just gets a secretary to get like a new jug and he hands back and Keep bringing jugs. <laughs> oh, blimey. Uh, well, Nell comes in and she's like, uh... oh my God. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then she's like, I take it you're ready? <laughs> and John just like gingerly picks a path through the, all the glasses on the floor to leave the office. Um, and then we get the entire Cajun Fish team coming out of the elevator, strutting down the courthouse corridor to the Billy Girls music, which I thought was quite <laughs> funny. Um, so they they mean business today. They are, you know, to not going to have another terrible day. Uh, they are determined. So Georgia is on the stand being questioned by Tim, first of all. And she says that she does take responsibility for her part in the marriage um, breaking down, but she thinks that Cage and Fish should also take some responsibility because it is a place of work and where female associates suck senior partners' fingers, where secretaries give mouth-to-mouth -mouth with their tongues, where men are kissing women and women are kissing women. Um, and I was like, Georgia, you were one of those. Yeah. <laughs> but also, Ali and Ling just look, each other, look at each other like, oh yeah, remember that? And I was like, Lally forever! <laughs> um, but Georgia says it's basically club med with ties. And if we're going to take the institution of marriage seriously then this law firm should take responsibility when they help to destroy one and then john starts pouring water into a glass like slowly and this interrupts the end of tim's questioning um but tim sits down because he's finished and then we hear the bells because the biscuit is getting up to question georgia and he back. is ready to go <laughs> and 
He asks if she ever asked Billy to stop working there. And Georgia tries to answer like, no, because, um, but John has no time for this today. He just cuts her off and he's like, your answer is no, thank you. You talk about sex, sex, sex in the workplace. Ever sign up for a sculpting class solely because of the endowment of the male model? What's that got to do with anything? (laughs) Well, John is opening the office closet and all the skeletons are coming out now. Like every little thing that he knows about Georgia that could cause her character to come into question is being laid out on the table. He is all guns blazing. Um, So he asks if she ever complained about the toilets being unisex. She didn't. He pulls out that she had sex in the unisex once and the conference table. And he is rapid firing like so much that he doesn't even wait for her answer. Being a proper bulldog. Yeah. And he then asks if she caught her husband kissing another woman. Yes. Two weeks after she was caught kissing another man. Yes. And then he says, and that man was the father of this woman over there. And he points at Ali. And he asked Georgia to identify her and who, like, what's her name? And Georgia's like, oh, Ali. And John's like, does she have a last name or do we just call her Ali? We could just call her Ali, couldn't we? Because this isn't just a woman. This isn't just a fellow associate. This is Ali. Ask that she be marked and identified as Exhibit A. And he sticks his tag on her shoulder that says Exhibit A. And Exhibit A looks extremely displeased about it. But then he goes on to barrage Georgia with questions about Exhibit A and Billy and whether she is the love of Billy's life and that Georgia suspected that. He says, do you make room for the possibility, Miss Thomas, that your husband working side by side with the true love of his life might be detrimental to the well-being of your marriage? But yet you never once asked him to quit. You never once said to him, work someplace else. And you're here today begging the court to take seriously the institution of marriage. How much regard did you show for your own? You watched as your husband worked side by side with the woman he might still be in love with. And Georgia tries to say that she was stupid not to, but John is taking no prisoners. He's like, your complaint says nothing about you being stupid, Georgia. Your complaint says nothing about you kissing the father of Exhibit A. And Georgia's like, well, I didn't know that he was Ali's dad. And she, I just did it to get back at Billy. And John points out it was because she was angry. And really, that's what this is all about. And then he asks if they went to marriage counselling after being caught kissing Exhibit A's father. No. After discovering him kissing Robin Jones, which was no. And he says, did you even bother to have a single discussion with your husband? Yes or no question. After you saw your husband kissing Robin Jones on the heels of you kissing the father of Exhibit A, did you have a single conversation or did you just pull your wedding ring off, plop it on the table and say, I quit? Which was it, Georgia? And she admits that it was the latter. And John says, and did Billy try to reconcile after that? And she's like, one feeble attempt and admits that she didn't make any attempts to work it out. And then John goes in more and says, and here you are today, exalting the institution of marriage, suing a workplace for undermining your relationship with your husband when you have done nothing to help it. You watched without protest as he works side by side with Exhibit A. You kissed Exhibit A's father. You don't bother to get any counselling to save the relationship. And you come into this court blaming us, a law firm, asking us to take responsibility. And at that point, Billy interrupts him and is like, Enough. you need to stop. Yeah. And John is mad because he's the one being sued here. But Billy's like, I said, that's enough. And John just pauses and then he goes, well, I'd like the court to note, I had a big finish planned. <laughs> and I would like <sighs> to throw in my... Objection! 
good. Here because this is what tiny bloody Tim should have been doing more. Because John just went way too hard on this. It was vindictive. It was mean. And a lot of it was fucking untrue. Yes. They did go to fucking therapy. Yes. It was just before all of this kissing bullshit. Yes. And the reason that they that Georgia knew that it would be pointless to go back to therapy. He knows that. And Georgia stayed way fucking longer than she needed to. Mm. Like, yes, Georgia has lashed out with this lawsuit, but this is not the way to settle but this. But I think like, it's just, I get that, jo- I mean, this is, you know, I get that John is being like a proper bulldog and it must be like really hard to stay clear-headed on the stand when you're being attacked like that. But I still don't understand how Georgia allowed herself to be cornered like that. Like she did, like Mm. you say, she did raise concerns about Billy working with Ali loads of times. They did talk about not working at Cajun Fish. They did go to counselling until Billy convinced her to leave to make out that Georgia did not lift a finger to save her relationship with Billy. To try and save the marriage. It's like demonstrably false. Like I... The, the the point at which she stopped talking to him was the point at which he started to go through his change and actually any conversation they had from then on was out pointless. was fucking pointless yeah. because he wasn't listening and he refused to listen to her point of view. So what is the point in her trying to save the marriage when someone is, is stonewalling you like but that? this is the thing. This is like, I don't understand why it is that in... Um, you know, when someone is on a stand and being questioned by a lawyer, a lawyer can ask a question and just be like, no, I just want yes or no answers. Because it makes the truth, like, it it makes life binary. And it's like, but life isn't binary. Like, you know, questions are not necessarily, just because it is a closed question doesn't mean it necessarily has a yes or no answer. Uh, and you are your life is more nuanced than that so and I just yeah I just I wonder what the actual like if if the whole point of a trial is to get to the truth of a matter I don't actually see the value in in stopping that from happening by being like no you can only answer yes or no to these questions because i say so like that's that well i think not helping the truth come out no i know but i i think part of it comes from the way courts are set up to work is to judge based on evidence for the most part um and i think Otherwise, you just get into opinion and arguing over whose opinion or interpretation is correct. And that is the yes and no questions is to to try and be like, what are the facts? What are the actual facts of this case versus what is just someone's opinion? Um, I think like that, so that, I think that's where it stems from. But I think it's super flawed. It's really flawed. Yeah, I agree with and you. And it is open but I think, to, to, it leaves things I open I think the justice being... system generally is flawed. It is. It really is. And I think, like, just because that's the best version of, of justice that we've come up with thus far, I, I I think there needs to be, like, a re-evaluation of this stuff. Like, just because this is the way we've done it for hundreds of years doesn't mean it's the best way. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, it's things like this where it's like, well, you've just painted a completely false picture through yes yeah. and no answers. But the, 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 but the onus is then on her lawyer to object and be like, like, like she should have, the idea is that the lawyer should know enough to be able to say, well, that's not true, objection, um, or, you know, yeah, irrelevant or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, Tiny Tim dropped drop the ball there. Tiny Tim dropped the ball, yeah. So, so the Cajun Fish team are kind of bickering as they walk out of the courtroom. Like, Ali's pissed that she was made Exhibit A and John's <laughs> annoyed that he was robbed of his big finish and things like that. And by the time they get to the office, they're all just still arguing. Um, and when Elaine asks what happened, they all just complain, like, separately at her, but at the same time. So um, that's, you know, she just gets this gaggle of people <laughs> screaming at her. But then Richard goes into his office and slams the door and John follows him and he says, um, he asks if Richard is unhappy with uh, his performance. And John says, no, you were great. You were a vicious little piranha. Well done. Um, but he's clearly not happy. Mm. And he says, remember when I came to you with the idea to start a firm? I have four reasons. Money, money, fun and money. And Richard says, what happened to number three? Um, so then we have like a rehash of the conversation they had when Elaine sued them in season yeah. one because John's like, oh, we we have fun here. And Richard's like, being sued by Georgia isn't fun. And you bullied her on the stand. And John doesn't like being called a bully because he was bullied as a kid. Um, and Richard just thinks that, well, you know, either way on this case, they lose. Um and he says, when I was little, I just hated the grown-ups. I vowed that when I grew old, I didn't want to become an adult. And John is like, well, I think you were successful there. <laughs> and, and Richard says, I had this fantasy that we'd all get to be kids in this place and we'd work together and we'd play together. Fun. But instead it's become war. And John looks over at Richard, who's just sat slumped in his sort of chair, and except it's kid Richard mm. going what happened and and then it goes back to like millennium richard and richard millennium richard looks just as childlike in his chair i thought i thought he just looked really small and like because <laughs> like, so, he is a yeah, child well, this is my <laughs> like i fucking hate this like i'm so I know. sorry the world is not your perpetual playground richard like I'm sorry that Rich Richard. Yeah, the, the collective thoughts you and John had around workplace culture has never gone any further or any deeper than money and fun and that that lack of thought and consideration has had consequences for you both. I'm so sorry that your idea of yeah. fun is not everyone else's and sometimes your idea of fun has a detrimental impact on other people. And until you're willing right. to like, put on your big boy pants and acknowledge this, like it's going to keep happening. I don't think he owns any big boy pants. <laughs> it's going to keep happening and he's going to keep being confused by it. So, and it just fucks me off that at the end of this scene with Richard looking like sad child, it's like the, the show has put like sad piano music over the top of it. Like, trying to like poor yeah, Richard like, I'm sorry. Richard is the victim in <laughs> all of absolutely this. are not and the fact that the show <laughs> is trying to make this implication is just I'm surprised they didn't off. have a scene where you know John walks Georgia in and being and is like look what you're doing to Richard <laughs> <laughs> he's not having 
fun anymore. How dare you? You spoil sport. <laughs> you bitch. Yeah, I know. Oh it's it's God. appalling. It really is. And yeah, and as you say, the worst thing is that's not played as ridiculous. It's played as... Oh, poor oh, Richard. No. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> We've spoiled Richard's fun. The, the, the worst... Oh. This is the biggest tragedy. <laughs> Richard yes. is no longer is the... having fun. <laughs> right. Um, so later on, uh, Rich has been having a think and he tells John that he's decided that the answer to the lack of fun is to do a corporate restructure or at least a, sh- a, sh- a structure because there aren't any um, and actually create departments in the firm like litigation, corporate, real estate. And he wants John to be administrative partner and John is not into it. Um, and Richard's like, no, we need to be more systematized. The informality means that associates don't know their place and they overstep. We should run this place like a law firm instead of a warm-up act for happy hour. That way nobody gets hurt and we don't bust up any lousy marriages. And John walks off because he's still like, no, I'm not into this. And I'm like, this is right. This is what you should be doing. Absolutely. Like, wow, (laughs) Richard has actually done some self-reflection. Um, but I mean, the problem appears to be at this moment that he's a bit all or nothing. Like it's all fun or it's no fun. It's all informality or no yeah. informality. It's like there's a balance yeah. that can be struck if you work at it. Like it's not necessarily yeah. easy, but it can be done. <laughs> well, this is the thing. He's not interested in easy no. at all. Um so, oh, sorry, he's not easy, interested in not easy, I mean. Um, he's interested in easy. Yeah. yeah. So in the main complex, uh, Billy is telling Ali that he's been trying to get hold of Georgia, but she's not picking up. And I'm like, <laughs> big, big surprise. <laughs> like, who would pick up to you? Um, <laughs> and then Elaine asks Ali if she can come and watch the ruling because it all sounds so vicious <laughs> and it's not fair for me to miss out. And I was like, I agree. I think Elaine should be there. Yeah. Um, and Ali does too and says that she can come with them so in the courtroom we've reached closings and Tim goes first and he says that sexual harassment laws intend for companies to take responsibility for what happens in the workplace and the cage and fish environment has become vulgar which is fostered by the senior partners Um, Richard Fish testified that women are sex objects which clearly influenced Billy who now walks about with models flanking him saying that wives belong in the home. Did that negatively impact my client's marriage? Look at them. None of them, uh, and he's pointing at Cage and Fish generally, he's like, none of them are in in relationships apart from Mr. Cage and Miss Porter which involves corporal punishment. (laughs) The place has the integrity of a strip club. No employee's marital union could survive working there no union ever has and yes they were free to quit but that isn't a defense in sexual harassment cases so he argues that it shouldn't be one here and i was like oof that is some damning yes damning words they are. um so then john has his turn and i think it's best if we let him speak yes. and when i was six or seven years old uh, i remember watching my father getting dressed for a funeral a man in his office had died and I asked him, well, was he a nice man? And my father said he really didn't have any idea. Said he'd really never gotten to know him. Well, they'd worked in the same firm for 17 
years and hadn't really gotten to know one another. How sad is that? We all certainly know each other. I know about his neck waddle fetish. I know the reasons he bleached his head. This one here can get you a blimp and a pinch. Which is confirmation that she did <laughs> buy that fucking blimp. Um, and then he says to Elaine, This one invents face bras and will lick the cappuccino foam off my nose if I'm not careful. This one I love. And this one I love too. Imagine that. In my own firm, Richard Fish and Exhibit A are my best friends in life. Now Porter's my lover. Imagine, I get to go to work each day with people I care so deeply about. I'm tickled. Is there a point? Yeah. The point is that Richard Fish shouldn't apologize for this place that he's built. The place where my father was employed, where people worked side by side for 17 years without really getting to know each other, that's the place where there's, where there's something wrong. Here, where people are in each other's lives, Richard Fish can be proud of that. I'm proud of that. And yes, there's some, some finger-sucking on occasion. A, a knee pit uh, seems everybody's kissed everybody else at one time or another, but we're kids. The partners are in their 30s. The associates are in their 20s. Sure, pal. Even if we're not still kids. I guess we all like to pretend we are. And today, you know, suddenly it, it, it's become very difficult to cling to that illusion because a very grown-up thing is going on. A marriage is falling apart. Two people that we adore, their marriage is ending. And it hurts. George is angry at Billy. And she's angry at the firm. Maybe because she feels betrayed by it. You know, ugly things aren't supposed to happen at Cajun Fish. All of our bumps and bruises can usually be covered with, with a bygones, but this one can't be. This one, the hurt runs deeper. Now you had your lawyer grow me on the stand. I then turned on you, becoming the boo-ee, the boo-ee, the boo-ee, the boo-ee, the mean person. All the while, Georgia, we continue to adore you. You're one of us, suing us. Now, if your goal here was to make us feel some of the pain that you feel, you've already won. But as for us breaking up for marriage, I think we all know better. See, this closing. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious when he was like, oh, isn't this wonderful? I know what... Richard does to harass women. I know why Billy's a fucking asshole. I know, like, I was just like, these are not good examples of how well you love your friends. Like, you know what I mean? You're going like, oh, we're kids. It's like you're not kids. You're adults. You're grown adults. Like, I don't care that you want to be Peter Pan. Like, you are a kid. You are not a kid. Like, and also like this closing definitely tries to hit a lot of emotional buttons but you have to stop yeah. and be like but that's not true no one at cajun yes. fish adores georgia like no and that was the bit that i was upset about because i mean and georgia hits on it later but they they have never adored yeah, that georgia. Is a lie. yeah and and the fact that he 
has convinced himself of this is actually pretty like astonishing because I was like, when was the last time you called her yeah. and said, oh, hi, Georgia, woman that I adore? Yeah, like, like, do you know what I mean? There were major ructions between Georgia and Billy because of Ali. Like, you and Richard actively stoked that for a case when they were yes. on opposite sides. Like, yes. because it yes. suited the firm to do so. Like, you can say all the pretty and plastering words you like, John. Your past deeds do not actually back them up like absolutely just, yeah it's it's a it's just a cynical just ploy well, to win the next the next scene is 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 pretty relevant to this because everyone is gathered outside the courtroom like waiting for what the judge is going to say and georgia just comes up to the group and says look this might sound stupid but when i left i didn't even get a cake i worked with you by you going to the bar at night for two years and when I left, you just padlocked my office so I couldn't take files. Like, all that time, I was just his wife. And she's she's not fucking no. wrong. Like, yes, John uh, Richard did say to her, like, we would take you back in a heartbeat. But, like, that's just empty words. Yeah. Like, what matters is how you show up for people. And they have never once shown up no. for Georgia. They've they've shown up because she, as as um for her as an extension of of Billy because Billy's like their buddy their pal do yeah. you know what I mean but like not just for being Georgia and I just felt so sorry for her in that moment especially when Ali starts going oh but that's not true is that what this case has all been about and Georgia just goes none of you even called to say hi and I'm like how fucking lonely must that feel must that be yeah like, Ali protesting like like they had such the potential for such a lovely friendship and it did go to some lovely places her and her and um Ali like Georgia and Ali um but Ali's never come good on it really no. like Georgia Georgia steps away once she started like kissing her husband which is fucking understandable but Ali's done nothing to really try to repair Mm. it like even if it's gonna take a long time she's done nothing to try and make those moves she's like she like Georgia just works with Renee now so I need I can get all the information I need about Georgia via Renee I don't need to be a friend to her anymore so it's like that thing she tried to fix it in the moment by insisting on having conversations that were actually very self-centered and not very sensitive or considering of Georgia and her feelings like she was just like we're good right we're good right yeah 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 like because you know yeah so so that she doesn't feel guilty anymore not so that Georgia's actually okay actually was concerned or to save their friendship yeah she was actually concerned about their friendship like you say she would have made more of an effort and she hasn't. And she would have kept going. Yeah. She would have kept trying. And she just d- didn't. She was yeah. like, oh, well. Well, I tried. And, and it's I just, just like, no, you didn't. And I just totally feel Georgia's upset in this moment because it was really fucking hard for her at Cajun Fish, not helped by how everyone behaved towards her. And imagine leaving and not feeling like anyone gave a shit. Yeah. Like that just must feel so lonely uh-huh. and make you feel like, well, fuck you guys i just i love that she's like i am not letting you gaslight me into thinking we would be bffs like because family families yeah and when ali like i the bit where ali goes like is this what this is about like almost kind of 
she almost sort of semi laughs as she says it. And I was just like, yeah. I want to fucking slap you. Like the way you are slapped. Yeah, it's really patronizing. Is, super She's like, oh, is this yeah. what this is about? Like, oh, are you doing and it's this? like, yes, it fucking yeah. is. You fucking twat. Oh, did we hurt your feelings? Is this why you're doing it? Like, shut the fuck up, Ali, and stop trying to pretend that George's feelings are completely fucking valid. Valid, like, yeah. She's coming over to you to let you know that she knows that John's assertion that they all adore her is a fucking emotionally manipulative lie that he has used cynically mm. to win and she's got the fucking receipts to prove it. She's like, yeah. here you go. You you adore me so much, do you? Where does it say that on my phone records? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. who's taking me to dinner? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I really feel the adoration here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so warm and cosy from the bask of your warmth. <laughs> yeah. Like, Fuck yeah, off. like it's fucking I bullshit, know. and she knows it, and she's, and it just, it's, and I think she's just. I wish she could just be, because uh, she's just so sad in that moment. I know, she's just sad. I know, like she's I know. not angry. She's just sad. Like, yeah, the, you're I was lying. Really upset. You're lying her. to me, and you're lying to yourself. <laughs> you lie to me and you lie to yourself yeah it's true um so then tim calls over to say that the judge is back um so the judges has made his decision and we're back in the courtroom and he decides that he doesn't think that the firm made it any easier to stay married but basically because this is a no-fault state he just dismisses the lawsuit. Um, but then he says, but if I am ever in the neighborhood and I need to pee, I'll be sure to visit your unisex. And I was like, what? What the fuck, dude? <laughs> I was like, fuck off, you creepy fuck. judge. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I was like, that's not right. a good thing to say. No, especially off the back of that like jesus like oh a a unisex bathroom in a sexually charged workplace (laughs) sign me up like no thanks well richard is relieved by the fact that they've won and everyone starts packing up to leave and ali stops georgia before she can go and says um and says you know georgia you left so suddenly don't you think we feel the void now you're gone and George's like, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I, I really because don't. <laughs> that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> and Ali's like, well, then we need to work on that. And Billy chimes in saying, well, we can start by inviting Georgia to dinner with us. Like now, like we're all going to go to dinner. Come with us. And Georgia's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> but Ali's like, you know, you don't have to file a lawsuit to spend time with us. You can come to dinner. And Georgia finally agrees. And I'm like, ah, this feels like when your toxic friends yes. keep like gaslighting you and you keep just taking their crumbs because you're yes. like, oh, I desperately want to be friends. It's like, uh, Georgia, you don't have to be so extra to hang out with us cool kids. Like, I just... <laughs> like, Do you know what? It reminds me of, um, <laughs> I hate to go back to that time in my life that makes everyone feel sorry for me, which is when I was like bullied at school. But there was a time when um, I didn't, um, I wasn't getting on with, uh, well, I was, I was, nobody wanted to sit with me at school. The time but when you just had before, no 
yeah, just before I decided to be like, well, fuck you guys, I'll just sit on my own. I had had this strategy, which mum had given me, which was like, just try going around to each like group in turn and trying to be friends with them. And I just remember being like, okay, fine. So like I tried like one month, I'd try with one group and not get anywhere and be like, okay, well, I'll just try with this other group then. And by the time I'd gone around all the groups, that was when I was like, right, well, fine. I'll just sit on my own then. But this one group that I was trying with one month, like they were, they were quite a big group. There was like six or seven of them. And I remember um one of them was like painting like redecorating their room and they decided they were gonna have like a she was gonna do like a redecorating evening where everyone came around and they like played music and all helped to paint and she was like oh yeah you can come as well and I was like oh great that sounds fun and so I was like sure and I was like great maybe they do like me this is good and like we did the painting on the Saturday evening and then we and like that was fine and then on the monday when i get into school i realized that they all went to the fucking cinema without me after and like i wasn't invited oh my god and i was like oh okay like you just want me for my manual labor but not And I, and the fact that it worked, the fact that Georgia wasn't. She said yes. Um, I know. It's uh, just really upsetting. Horrible. I was screaming at her to tell them to fuck off and then go and have dinner with Ali's dad or something. <laughs> <laughs> where um, is George? So, <laughs> yeah, where's George when you need him? Um, so yeah, she she oh. agrees, which is really disappointing. But then. Before John can leave, um, Richard keeps him back um, and the, the courtroom's like basically empty now. And he's like, your words, your closing. I just want you to know. It ran a little long. <laughs> it's really funny because you're expecting him to say something sentimental. But then he's like, you do, we do have something here, don't we? Like the people, the friends, like we have built something special, right? And John just shakes Richard's hand and is like, indeed and I'm like great so nobody's learned anything from this and nothing no (laughs) personal growth (laughs) so the progress that was threatened to occur apart from in their pants comes to an (laughs) ultimate like untimely end like it's just like no progress today I know, right. So then to finish off, um, Vonda starts up singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow again, um, but right from where she left off. So the chorus we all know and love. And then the scene fades out to everyone, including Georgia, annoyingly, like walking to dinner. And then the scene changes to them as their kid versions, like as they keep like walking and laughing. Because when we kids at heart, kids that invite their... (laughs) people to dinner oh my goodness so yeah that's that's Uh, that's the end (laughs) terrible fucking terrible georgia georgia is 
yeah, still has terrible friends, basically. Right. <laughs> it's the moral of this story. You're all terrible people who have been awful. Georgia needs to get some new friends. Like, why isn't she getting... Why aren't her and Renee yeah. going out on the town after work and finding some new fucking friends? And Whipper, who yeah. we haven't seen for ages. But yeah, like, why aren't they doing stuff together? Like, you Completely. don't need these bitches. <laughs> don't need these toxic assholes. I I know. Such, so terrible. Oh, awful. Retrial. So it's Thomas versus Cajun Fish. How do you find? So, you know, obviously, like, I absolutely agree that Cajun Fish is not a professional environment and John (laughs) and Richard's heartfelt commitment to their own fun as part of workplace values and behaviours is quite toxic most of the time. Um, I also agree that it did not help that this was the place that Georgia and Billy spent most of their days together and so ultimately was not helpful in their marriage. But only to a certain point. Like, Mm. I'm not convinced Cajun Fish should be paying you compensation for the breakup of your marriage. Like, I think that is to, to do that is to remove like all autonomy from Billy and Georgia and ultimately yeah. like they are responsible for their relationship. Absolutely. Like, no because one they're not is. kids. They no. are adults. Yeah. And, you know, they've they've they created this mess. Um, you know, neither of them acted perfectly. You know, really one of them should have quit. Billy should have quit as soon as he saw Ali was gonna be a problem. Well like, this that was is the it. Problem. I think like You know, Billy's assertion on the stand that, oh, if I thought it was a threat to my marriage, I would have quit, obviously. It's like, no, I'm pretty certain when this was raised, you were absolutely outraged at the idea of you going to another firm. Like, Yeah, he didn't want to because he he liked having his cake and eating Ali too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's just a lie. Like, you were far more interested in, in having... You know, your two wife women fawning after, after you, yeah, chasing after yeah. you. Like, then why would you give that up? And you made but it very clear. That isn't Cajun. That isn't Cajun Fish's fault. No, that's, that's his fault. That's his um, fault. Absolutely. And and I, yeah, just yeah, I agree. Yeah. It was like a toxic environment for them to be conducting most of their days in, but. Yeah, like, I I don't think you can blame the breakdown of the marriage. Like, I've... (laughs) Liam has worked in places that have had incidents in the workplace that were worse than the things that go on at Cajun Fish. What? Yeah, (laughs) yes. And it never... Did they have a unisex too? No, I'll tell you some of the things that happened, so... This is this is not a place he works at now. This is a place he worked no. at like ages ago. Um, but uh, like for instance, um, there was a girl that one time came in in just her bra, like <laughs> she wore her bra. <laughs> like, That's something Elaine would do. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like and there was there was a guy that I think I'm not sure now. I think he might have been homeless. And he was, like, <laughs> sleeping at the office, like, secretly. And, but worse than that, he actually 
got sex workers to come to the office <gasps> while everyone was out and like that's a john john cage thing <laughs> yeah like, in the office <laughs> oh wow oh my goodness like, so there are like ter- plenty of places that you can work that could be completely terrible and unprofessional and like not great yeah. places but it doesn't you know that's that's not going to be enough so you can't blame the breakdown of a relationship no on a workplace I think, yeah I think ultimately the judge came to the right decision like it is a no-fault state and it doesn't make sense for the workplace to be found responsible for a marriage breakdown but I think it's like separate issues like it is. just because that was the case that doesn't mean that I don't think that Cajun Fish had a res- responsibility to their employees beyond fun. Because yeah. as you've said, it's like fun for who? Like yeah. This is the second time they've been called to account for their complete lack of business management skills. And they've dodged the bullet yet again. Mm. And I didn't like the way the show was like, oh, but isn't it all better if we all pretend we're kids? I'm like, kids don't run businesses for a reason. <laughs> like, they're not accountable or mature enough. Um, and, and you as employees and as people who run businesses have to be that. Like, you have a duty of care yeah. to your employees. Absolutely. Like, you can't approach that through childlike eyes. Like, yeah. That's not the way that like, works. And it's very much trying to paint themselves as like, oh, but we're just innocents. Like, we're so innocent because we're kids. And it's but like... the point of businesses is not to be innocent. The point of businesses is to safeguard against the things that can go wrong. And to do that, you can't have innocence as your filter. Yeah. Be like, but nothing would go wrong. You have to know what could go wrong and protect against that. You're being like... so irresponsible and so just negligent in your duty as an employer. Yeah, yeah. So I, basically, I feel like Georgia tried the wrong case. Because yeah. if it had been like workplace negligence, or I don't know if you can even bring that, but the that would they'd be guilty of sin. Absolutely. For that. It's just because <laughs> she's trying to pin something that actually, ultimately, is not Cajun Fisher's fault on them. No. That is, no. you know, the problem here. Like, she has legitimate complaints, but she can't, she can't, prove because it it's not true that no exactly ruined her marriage it didn't yeah verdict of the week (sighs) the jury's back who do you find so i'm gonna find john guilty um, for stopping potential progress at cajun fish like we often predominantly blamed Richard for the culture at Cajun Fish and kind of just seen Mm. John as this kind of passive, just being kind of passively complicit in its flaws. But here John has very clearly and firmly stood in the way of any kind of change and absolutely insisted that there is nothing bad about the culture at Cajun Fish and that actually it's something they can and should be proud of. Yes. Finally, and it's just, it's such a missed opportunity because finally something had gotten through to Richard that this is like, it is not fun for everyone at Cajun Fish. And it was John's just stubborn arrogance that stops Richard's realisation from becoming, like it doesn't, Mm. Richard has this realisation and, and, 
John just stops it from becoming like positive change. He just completely yes. stands in it in, in, in the way. The missed opportunity thing is is great because and exactly right because um, Richard, as you say, yes, Richard came at it being like, well, let's go completely the other way and be like a no fun company, yes. and that was John's opportunity to be like. Well, no, we don't we have to have go that far, yeah. but th- th- let's work on some kind of balance where, you know, we feel that it's still a nice environment for people and people feel friendly and, um, you know, we do have fun, but, you know, within boundaries that that protect people and yeah. we can make that, like we can build something that that that, that will produce. But instead he was like, no, I've been attacked and there's nothing wrong with the way this place is, which yeah, is, is yeah. wrong and not true. Yeah. And just, I just think, yeah, it was just arrogance and pride and, and just, yeah, just complete entitlement to, to be like, no, we've done nothing wrong. We're fine as we are. Um, yeah. Like, no, we shouldn't change. We shouldn't reevaluate. We shouldn't do anything. This is George's yeah. problem, and no one Not else's. Ours. And it's just yeah. like, oh, yeah. So yeah, any time. Like I say, I think, but it's just because I feel like for a long time, maybe you know, the blame for the toxic culture at Cajun Fish has pretty much always kind of landed at Richard's door. Yeah, and I think yeah. like. No, John is an equal partner. Yeah, and he's yeah, yeah. Not you're right. Just you know, passively complicit. He actually, actually likes the way that Cajun Fish is and doesn't want it to change at all. No, that's, so um, he is just yeah. as problematic as Richard. Good point. I have given Georgia a not guilty. Oh, good. Um, for almost like props for trying do you know what yeah. I mean like yeah. I like I, I get I and I agree that it wasn't actually the case that she brought meant that Cajun Fish actually aren't guilty of what she was accusing them of but they are guilty of something and she was trying to get some kind of justice she was just going about it slightly the wrong way, wrong way. Um, and I also think you know she shouldn't have gone for dinner with them like I and know. I understand why she did and I just want to be like no Georgia you you're fine on your own better. leave them like yeah she does deserve so much better, and I just uh, justice for Georgia. Uh, yeah, and I just I'm just a bit like, yeah, are we? That that's what I find like disconcerting about the show is that we as an audience are meant to believe that the people at Cajun Fish are good friends to Georgia, are good people yeah. to Georgia. It's, they're gaslighting us. Uh, yeah, and I'm like no. <laughs> I know. And um, yeah, the fact that you've had her be like, oh, okay, then uh, maybe I overreacted a little bit and, you know, sued you. Like, I just, you know, <laughs> I just, one of those days, you know, like in the divorce is getting all a bit too much. Like, it's yeah. just like, no, like. I know. What? What indeed? <laughs> what indeed? Uh, yeah, Georgia. so. What we've learned somewhere over the rainbow is poor Georgia <laughs> having to go to dinner with these schmucks. <laughs> these toxic assholes. Just oh, awful. God. Awful. Yeah. So let us know what you thought of this episode. Do you agree? Is Georgia being gaslit by the evil Cajun fish gang? Or are you like, no, 
they just want to be friends with her. Um, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at Bygones Podcast and Facebook at Bygones Podcast or Instagram at Bygones Pod or email us at bygonespodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's, it was a better episode this uh, episode than last uh, time. Yeah, we were like not, filler. It's, it's not a filler episode, but no. it's yeah. like it, it still and it still feels like a bit of a bummer because you're just like yeah, Georgia deserves better. <laughs> Georgia does. Um, so yeah, on that note, until next time, bye guys. I heard of once in a lullaby